Welcome to Locked on Lakers for a Thursday. Is Christian Wood too polarizing an option for the Lakers? That and other questions with guest Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Listen of every day, Monday through Friday, always free, never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can watch the show, interact with Laker fans in a really active, fun community. Spread the word. We are, I don't know, probably 150 or so subscribers away from the 20,000 mark, which would just be incredible. Thank you very much to everybody who has subscribed. You guys have been awesome, and we very, very much appreciate it. Brian. Remains on vacation, so we are continuing with a slate of guests. You can read the awesome work of Dan Wojcicki. He covers all things Lakers for the LA Times. He is as great a source as anybody in LA for the purple and gold. Dan, how are you, man? It's an interesting time of year. Um, I really kind of wish the Lakers would just sort of close up shop and so I could go away, mm-hmm. like really just sort of go away. But Like Brian. You- yeah, like Brian, go on vacation. But we've got, you know, we've got a roster spot that's probably going to get filled. Uh, I'm going to Las Vegas next week for Team USA training camp because Ooh. there is a an unlikely Patriot in Austin Reeves that that will be on this team, which was not on my my beginning of the year budget. There he is, Austin Reeves looks great, great beard. Um, and uh, you know, I think like. After that, like I'm looking forward to oh, and then Powell goes in the Hall of Fame. And then after that, yeah. we're shutting it down. And then we're shutting it down for what? <laughs> shutting two it weeks? down. Two weeks yeah. or so. To a right back to uh yeah, I mean, let's be honest, covering the Lakers, that it never really ends. It, it, no. There's really never a, a downtime to doing this. But you, you mentioned that 14th roster spot, and yeah, it it has been linked a lot to Christian Wood, free agent big man with the Mavericks, who seem to have absolutely no interest in bringing him back, despite the fact that they actually could use a guy of his skill set. He's been linked to the Lakers. Palinka has been open about wanting to use that 14th spot on on another big man center option, someone that's different than Jackson Hayes. Um, Before we get specifically into the Lakers and Christian Wood's market, I'm curious what you've gathered in terms of what you think he's looking for with a role, you know, beyond the money, which obviously matters. But what do you think Christian Wood actually wants? Because as we're going to get into, he is a very polarizing player around the league. Yeah, I mean, like I think in simple terms, I would say respect. Um, You know, there has generally been two things that have been like the biggest cause and disconnect between like what Christian Wood is producing in terms of counting stats and team's interest in him um obviously we'll talk about like the defense is a is a problem like it is not good um but second is sort of you know role acceptance and part of that has always been you know you hear stories about him thinking very highly of himself as a player and you know that sort of thinking getting in the way of winning and it's this really fine line like like you definitely you definitely don't want guys who are like super meek, right? And like, unless you're Jody Meeks, 
um, like super meeks. He was super meeks. Um, but like, you don't want guys that are like, you know, really meek and really humble and are afraid of the moment and all that stuff, right? Like that's not going to work. Um, you need to have tremendous belief in yourself. I, I generally believe that everybody in the NBA does that. Like you don't make it that far without having um, a ton of belief in yourself. But Andy, like I think over the last decade or so that I've been doing this, like I've kind of honed in on the players that I like best. And, and one of those skills is, and I think it is a skill is like self-awareness mm-hmm. and like knowing who you are. And I think Christian would have struggled with that. I think, you you know, that has been, um, you know, the challenge for him um, in Houston. That was the challenge for him. Um, that's why Detroit let him go despite being in a rebuild. That's why Houston let him go despite being in a rebuild. And that's why Dallas, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, they didn't want to sign him this offseason. They tried to give him an extension during the year when it was, like, going well. And he turned it down. Um, they tried to pay him, and it wasn't good enough. And it, it didn't it didn't land. And, and so he's, you know – um, we let's, I mean, we can get into the polarizing parts about him, but, but to me that, that I think is when it comes to like what he wants. I mean, like, I think he wants to be showcased and, you know, um, when you're a player on the minimum, that's a hard sell. Um, it's weirdly one I think the Lakers can kind of make, but it, it is a, um, you know, there aren't a ton of opportunities for that when you're on the minimum. All right. You had a, a recent piece in the LA times. It, it was a mailbag that you, I believe that you expanded on, but talking about Christian Wood and there was a money quote in this piece. Um, okay. If LeBron can get him to toe the line, it cements LeBron as the greatest player of all time. One NBA source said, that's how hard it is. A, what was just your reaction to hearing that quote? Because it is an effing doozy. But also, what impressions do you get about any reservations internally um, about bringing in Wood, whether from the front office, players, sure. both? Yeah. Um, I mean, when you hear a quote like that, I think at the time I said, well, slow down, I'm writing this down. Like, I'm, ri- <laughs> I'm, I'm writing this one down. Um, you know, and I think like, you know, on this type of stuff, like, look, right? Like you call around, you call the people that he's played with that, you know, you call the people that he's worked with, you call – you know, other people around the league that have coached against him. Um, you know, I mean, I had one conversation with two scouts from the same organization and I asked them both like scale of zero, like one to 100, how much do you like Christian Wood? And one scout said, how low can I go? And like, I said, one, he's like less. And I asked the other, he was like, I don't know, like an 80. And like, it, it, like they're, I mean, these are friends that are sitting right next to each other wearing the same polo shirt. <laughs> at a summer league game, right? And um, so I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think internally, of course. Like, I think it's it's not a, a unanimous decision. I mean, I know it's not a unanimous decision, but I think there are people who are certainly in favor of the move. Um, you know, one, this is all about, like, cost, right, and opportunity. Like, I think, you, you know, um, there are, I think, especially in the locker room, it's hard to sort of separate, like, the the person and the player from the price tag, but it totally matters. Uh, like, you know, Russell Westbrook of, of of all of his problems that he had with the Lakers, the biggest was that he was making forty seven million dollars. That was the biggest problem. Um, the rest of that kind of got sort like you saw a much more effective player when you put him around 
you know, when he was on the minimum and you put him on the Clippers and, and yeah. he, I mean, some of it was comfort, but a lot of it was like that money was dispersed throughout a roster and they had I mean, better they, players around him. We're going to have the inverse of that in a lot of ways with, you know, Rui Hachimura. People are going to think yep. differently about him now that he's making 17 a year. Sure. There's going to, there's going to be, I think maybe a, a more forgiving look at D'Angelo Russell since he's now making 18 and a half as opposed to maybe low thirties. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Austin Reeves, he's in on a, what's considered a bargain contract, but if he had gotten like a full bag offer that the Lakers ended up matching, people will be looking at him a lot differently. Sure. It, all of that stuff. You're right. Does matter. Well, and it's because it starts to take away from the other things you can do, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even just your performance. It's because we have you, we can't do this. You know, like, this is what my wife says to me every time she sees, like, a fireman. She's like, because I have you, I can't have, like, <laughs> I can't have this hero. Um, you, you know, or something Not the like comp that. I was expecting, Dan. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, you, you know, but I think um, it's a fair point, really, Eddie. It is a fair point. Um, but I, but I, you but didn't I hear think, me argue. Like, yeah, right? I know. So I think, like. Okay, so one level of the trepidation is, um, you know, if you were giving Christian with the full mid-level, um, then yes, I think, I, I mean, but you're, you're not, and they wouldn't, and they didn't. You know, like, that wasn't offered. They did, like, that's not what this is, right? So I do think there is definitely a wing in the organization. I would say there's, like, three <laughs> three kinds of lines of thinking. Okay, hold, hold this. Hold this. I want to get more in depth on this, and also some other uh, other questions about Wood, and also a different piece that you wrote. But um, hold that for just a second, and we will talk about that coming up next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get ten times your first bet in bonus bets up to two hundred bucks. That's right. Just bet twenty bucks, and you will land. in bonus bets, win or lose. And you can bet on everything from the money line to the over-under to whoever you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. And if you are looking ahead, FanDuel has odds on the MVP, the Cy Young, World Series winners. And for Laker fans who also love the blue, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers as a team, they are among the respective leaders in those categories. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, really easy to use. And when you win, You get paid instantly, no waiting around. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. Three prong items to think about. Go. Okay. Um, so I think there is a wing in the organization. I mean, okay. So I know that all three of these things to be true. There Ooh, is a wing in the organization. Yeah. There is a, I don't want to, I don't want to count. I don't need to count this sort of thing because this is what anybody, it's totally reasonable, right? There are, there are people who think at the minimum, this is a no risk situation sure. that, that, um, if it goes horribly wrong, you either release him or you attach some imaginary asset to him to ship him off to a place that will buy him out or whatever. And it is the lowest of low risks because, you know, you'll make this decision by December or January and how much harm can actually be done. 
in that amount of time. We just saw a team that started two and 10, make the Western conference finals. You know, we don't want to have to do that again, but like, again, we're talking about a backup center. What's the harm. All right. So that is, that is the most enthusiastic version uh, of sort of the Christian Wood supporters. And, and look, and they have their reasons, right? I think the best argument for Christian Wood that I've heard from anybody, and it's one that I subscribe to too, is that if and when Anthony Davis misses 15 to 20 games, um, you know, or 10 to 15 games, who is most equipped to step in and be a starter? Of the players that are available, it's not Bismack Biombo, It's not Jermichael Green. Um, it's not Markeith Morris. Um it's not Jackson Hayes, really, in my opinion. Um, Wayne and Gabriel. It's not Wayne and Gabriel. Um, it's, it's not Tristan Thompson. It's Christian Wood. He's the most talented player. And by the way, it just so happens that his offensive skills fit with your big man. They fit with your other stars. Um, he is a, a very attractive player for a driving kick offense um, because of his shooting. Right, He's a good shooter. Um, I think the stat that I had in my story, and I'm going to butcher some of the numbers, but it was something like a player who averaged 17 points, seven rebounds, one and a half made threes, and shot over 37% from three. Um, he's one of three guys that have multiple seasons who did that, ever, ever played forward center. And the other two are Christoph Porzingis and Carl Anthony Towns. Those two guys are going to make $73 million combined dollars next year. Christian Wood will make two-ish. Right. And so we have to fill that gap somehow between those things. Yeah. So um, that's the line of thinking. One is that we can do this and um, we, you know, uh, a lot of his negatives are offset by our investment. And they're also offset by the ability that, by the way, we're going to put him in a winning environment. We've got Darvin Ham, who is a tough, hard nosed SOB coach, like who doesn't take, you know, can I curse a little bit? Who's like um, a, you can't. a take a take no bleep coach. Perfect. Okay. Um, and that like he's the and then you have the same sort of mentality from LeBron James, mm-hmm. right? So it's like okay. And, and by the way, they know him. Anthony Davis played with him in New Orleans. Darvin Ham was on the staff in Milwaukee when Christian Wood floated through there. Okay. Here's line thinking number two. Um, they know him. <laughs> and they know, and they know why he's available. And <laughs> you know, it's a 14th spot and it's the minimum. So sort of whatever we get them. Awesome. We don't. Okay. Like this isn't going to tip. This isn't going to tip winning or losing in a super meaningful way. Um, if Anthony Davis misses 15 or 20 games, that's a problem regardless of who we have in that spot. Um, despite Thomas Bryant playing pretty well in that, that role last year, it wasn't like it led to a ton of winning. Well, and and by the way, for the exact same reasons that likely would happen with Christian Wood, Thomas Bryant really came through as an offensive presence. He mm-hmm. also pretty much gave back all the points that he scored. Compared to Christian Wood, he is like prime Bill Russell. Yeah. So, okay, so there's that line of thinking. And then there is the line of thinking that's like, no, let's not do this, right? And that exists as well. Because and, of the chemistry that, issues and just chemistry, the attitude defense, issues? Chemistry, defense. You know, it's hard to say, like, attitude um, because I haven't really been around him. Sure. You know, so it's like – and it doesn't – when I talk to people about him, it's not like people are like, this is a bad guy. It's not that. It's But it is, like, about fit, and it is about sort of 
you know, seriousness. It's about defensive acumen. Look, there is serious interest, you know, um, and I think that um, the first two prongs of thought ultimately um, will win out um, in terms of like, now he still has to sign for the minimum, right? And he still has to decide that, you know, again, we said, what do you want? Well, like, I mean, I think like the pitch will be is like, come here, play an important role where we're, we're going to win and you're going to get paid. We just got Dennis Schroeder paid, um, you know, got, but, Malik but Monk I, paid. got Malik Monk paid, but I think like, you, you know, there is sort of a, and this was true with Russell Westbrook. There is sort of a stigma to like taking the minimum. Yeah. And, and um, it resets your market for future free agencies once you kind of, it's just sort of like a once you do a once thing, like people think they can get you there again. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you know, um, I, I will say, I will throw one other scenario out there that I've, that I've heard mentioned a couple of times with him and, you know, as like an argument for doing it. And that's sort of the first two years of Hassan Whiteside in Miami when, you know, they, they found a player that had been kind of kicked around a little bit who nobody doubted his talent. But like he hadn't really been totally harnessed, and then they figure they figure out a role for him. Um, the Heat then paid him a lot of money, and it did not work out ultimately. Um, but I think um, in the short term, like there was some some relative success, like player back up against the wall, like maybe his last chance in a great situation. Um, you know, you get the best out of a talented player. Um, you know, these are the types of margins that if you can win on these margins. Um, it's the difference between a good and a great season, generally speaking. Um, and, and so, you know, it's an interesting, I, I think it would be another interesting gamble for sort of a, a group of minimum players that I think is a little more gambly than people realize. I do feel like there is like sort of like checks and Hayes. He's a lottery pick. Like, you know, you know, um, Cam Reddish, he's a lottery pick. Like this is incredible. Um, like they're interesting, young, talented players. Um, you know, Troy Brown was, and, and I love Troy Brown. Great yeah. dude, great locker room guy. Um, didn't move the needle though in the in the postseason. Um, you, you know, I mean, he was was that a successful minimum signing? I'd say sort of. Oh, I think he was. I mean, it, yeah, I think it was fine. I I think overall he was successful sure. over the course of eighty two games. He's I think fine. Troy Brown yeah. was helpful. Yeah, and I think like you know, look, and if if you get that kind of contribution from Cameron to Jackson A's and whoever player fourteen is, it'll be a good Lakers season. If the if the other guys stay healthy, it'll be a good year. Um, yeah, that's not that's not most years though, right? Like these minimum signings, it's generally speaking more like it was two years ago, where you hit on Malik Monk, but you missed on the vets. You know, um, I think he would be a interesting guy to like kind of to try to 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 get the most out of Christian Wood. All right. Well, there's obviously going to be a waiting uh, out period that we're going to be watching on could, pins and needles. Could be, there's... could be not. Like, it really feels like this could happen whenever. I, I don't know. Well, either way, we got nothing else to do, so we will be watching. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One more segment. A uh, lot we may try to get into involving Anthony Davis, involving Maxwell Lewis, a cool piece you wrote at the Times. You wanted to talk a little bit about sports documentaries, so we're going to try – to hit them all next. All right, so my main question about AD, Dan, is just the idea of 
whether you think last season, when AD was healthy, I thought he was, for the most part, really good. And yep. in the playoffs, the guy was, in my opinion, the best. He was the best defensive force in the playoffs, period. Um, mm-hmm. There is still, though, that question of A, feeling confident with his health that he'll be out there enough, and B, just whether his makeup is that of a guy that you can truly feel confident building everything around. And I think, you know, I don't think it's a secret. The Lakers, when they traded for AD, I think their hope was this would all be settled by now. And the answer is yes. They had planned that transition to have happened certainly by now, if not a season or two before. What's your thought about whether or not AD can broadly speaking be that alpha for a team? Um, or how you'd even I mean, define the yeah. alpha. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, defensively, certainly, right? And I think we saw a good stretch of Lakers basketball, you know, in the last sort of quarter of the regular season when LeBron was hurt and, like, AD was sort of the de facto guy. And and that didn't mean, you know, 25 shots a night. Um, you know, I actually think, like, the team played pretty loose and, and, and that was a lot of it was a credit to Anthony Davis and sort of his demeanor. Um, he gets... I think people talk about him and they talk about his durability. And I think sometimes they confuse that stuff for competitiveness. And like, I mean, in the locker room, I, it, he is easily the most visibly affected by losing on the team. Like yeah. it is like, you know, dark. Um, like he takes that very, very hard and he cares very much um, about winning. So I, I think, like, in those ways, like, those are things you want on the play. Do you expect the extension to happen before the season begins? I, I think so. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think – I don't know exactly what it will look like in terms of duration, but I, I, I think there's mutual interest to get something done. And, um, you know, that's how they've sort of handled their business with their stars. And um, I'm of the belief that the star you have is always better than the star you don't. All right, really quick before we get into the sports documentaries, yes. I want to let people know you have a cool piece up about Maxwell Lewis um, at the LA Times. It's told in a lot of ways through the lens of his dad, who was a big Laker fan growing up. I actually worked a- as a kid uh, at the Forum uh, in the days of Wilt and West. Um, well, I don't think he filled out tax forms. I-, I think he was, you know, a parking lot sort of. Um, the guys sure. that would that would hit you for the programs, you know, yeah. on the way in. Like, yeah. I, I said he worked at the forum. I didn't say ran the forum, but <laughs> yeah. But it, it's it's a really cool piece. People should check out. Thanks. Maxwell Lewis's dad was going to be excited about his kid getting drafted, regardless. But the idea that Anywhere. his kid, who also grew up a Laker fan, got drafted by the Lakers was really special. So people should check that out. Um, could have. Uh, gone down a musical route if his dad had actually had his way. So yeah. read all that. Okay. Winning time is coming up soon. It is a, a docudrama, docu-comedy, however you want to frame mm-hmm. it, the second season on HBO. There's the new Steph uh, actual documentary that is, I believe, Apple Plus. A- I, I Apple believe. TV. Yep. Apple TV. Apple um, mm-hmm. you know, Russell Westbrook recently has had a documentary. There's all sorts of sports documentaries out there. Check and- magic. Yes. Uh, and you... You've been having some thoughts brewing about the state of sports documentaries in general. And you said, I will only do this show, Andy, if you give me a soapbox to talk about sports documentaries, yeah. go. Well, Andy, so, I mean, our friendship and working friendship, I think, came with us talking about movies in the press room. Yes, 
Actually, that, um, we, 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 you know, we, me, me and your brother spent a lot of time talking about movies. Um, my favorite movie ever is Hoop Dreams. It's um, it an is incredible movie. <clears throat> um, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up loving high school basketball in Chicago. Um, I was, I believe, either nine or ten years old, and I was at the um, the the sort of climax of the movie, the downstate tournament, Illinois State tournament games. Oh, wow. I was there as a kid and remember um, the program with Marshall because they were the one city school yeah. and all Arthur the other AG teams, <clears throat> all the other teams were buttoned up and Marshall, everybody posed with a finger in the air, like, you know, like had swagger. I didn't know that what that word meant then, but that's what it was. Right. So um, I love sports documentaries, um, yeah. a, a list like murder ball, very high like love that movie and i will generally jump at the chance to watch a sports documentary um we are in a post last dance just like deluge of them um we are drowning in them we are what worked about the last dance um one of the things that worked best about it was that it was 20 years ago it was a like a chunk of time Mm -hmm. um it was weird so i watched the steph curry documentary um and the my my initial review would be thumbs up like i liked it i thought it was good um he's a very compelling player um with a compelling story um it because of sort of that he was small right like i mean it all kind of comes down to the fact that he was tiny right like otherwise i mean like genetically obviously right like his mother was a college volleyball player his dad played in the nba He's not an underdog in that sense. No. Um, you know, he was around the NBA. He's not an underdog in that sense. But he's an underdog he didn't, go, <clears throat> he didn't go through puberty, you know, um, until his mid-20s. Like, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right? Like, so he's that the under... And, and, like, and, and the documentary doesn't run from that. And I appreciate that. It is bizarre to watch a documentary that goes, in some ways, behind the scenes on the 2021 NBA season. Like, it feels so close. And, like, we don't really – like, this story told seven to eight years, nine years in the future where you're looking back and you can say, oh, remember how, like, he also battled back in that year when people thought the Warriors were maybe done to win a title? You know, that – you lose that threat because of how close you are. And I think there is there is an issue in these like athlete controlled documentaries. Well, I, what I was going to ask is, do you think that this is like a negative byproduct of so many athletes now having their own production companies owning like, their story? Right. Well, yes. it, it's one thing to own your story, but it's another thing about when when you choose to put your story out. Sure. There. And I I don't know if they have enough people around them that are maybe saying, "Is now the time." Like, you know, yeah. is, is this the best time to tell the story? Well, and I also think, too, when you're telling your own story, like, it's hard to, like, hit the ugly truths, right? Like, there are elements, and, and I know the last, this was a criticism of the last dance, right? Is that, like, you know, maybe the Jordan as a maniac was even, like, soft-pedaled a little bit. Um, and and it, it might have been, but, I mean, it was still, I mean, there's still the footage of him berating Scott Burrell. I mean, there's still Isaiah Thomas there. Right, you, you know, um, and then after the fact, like there's plenty of content reactionary to it from Scottie Pippen and different people, like you know, who didn't love the the portrayals, right? So I, I think 
I think there's something to that. I I, I do wish I, I I am like I said I'm all for sports documentaries. Give me all of them. Um, I wish that in, in addition to being a little more distanced, I just sort of wish that people would like kind of better understand like the like like the hooks of storytelling too and like get like and that's all based around drama and conflict and if you're not going to tell a story that like like so often in these things the conflict andy is not <laughs> player versus doubt it's not player versus injury like i mean they cl- fly through the steph curry ankle injuries right. fly through that stuff right and well and the reason they even show it is so that in the backdrop is you get sort of the TV talking head, you know, uh, of which I, I am one occasionally, like I go on Colin Howard. As and am I. I. This stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm on spectrum. Like I am one of these people. Um, and, and, and really like they become the bad guys in these movies. Like if you watch the Steph Curry one, like you will hear Nick Wright's voice a lot. And it, <laughs> like, like, it could be like, sort of like, you know, Stephen Curry's, underrated colon the warrior versus the right like it could be like that like there is a huge chunk of it the russell westbrook documentary a lot of it was about what like skip bayless and what magic johnson said about it you know it's funny i hadn't thought about this way until we've been talking about it now but a lot of these guys came up during a time where me versus the haters was a big thing And, and a lot of it you know, got addressed through different platforms on social media. And that became, you know, it, it happens in a lot of music. Like, you know, like the, it's a general theme in a lot of stuff for a certain, I think, age range of celebrities. Like broadly. And social media where, by the way, you have access to your haters. Right, exactly. Like I and, have I have some very, like, very hatery haters. Oh, of course. And, and like, by the way, like, I, it's a drug to like even seek it out. It's a dopamine hit. Right. But I think in a lot of ways it, it maybe shapes the lens of how I agree these guys would see telling stories in the first place or what you would be looking to do, like in terms of telling my real story. It's actually addressing the doubters, addressing the haters. I think for Steph, other than just knowing nobody expected Steph to be Steph. I think people sure. thought Steph could be good. He was a lottery pick. Somebody thought he was going to be good, but nobody sure. thought he would be one of the most transformative, uh, transformative players in NBA history. Of course that. But, but yeah. that's been long since proven. So there, there isn't really any narrative to, you know, to disprove. What I think could be interesting, though, just in terms of storytelling from some of these guys and what you were talking about with distance, it would be interesting to see... I'm just throwing out LeBron as an example, do a documentary about somebody else. You know, like some of these guys with production companies and aspirations towards storytelling, tell the story of somebody who came before them that they find interesting or hell, even a contemporary, but somebody that they have enough distance from or something where it isn't necessarily about them. I think if nothing else could help maybe shape their storytelling skills for when the time when your own personal documentary really is meant to be told, you're yeah. you know, better equipped, better practiced to do it. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, along these lines, like, I mean, look, I do think there is like, I mean, the underdog part of sports is, um, is great. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the name of it off the top of my head. I can't remember. I think it might be like 38 in the garden. It was the Jeremy Lin and it was like 30 minutes long. Right. And it was about, it was not only about him, but it was also about, you know, stereotypes and Asian basketball players and things yeah. like that. Right. And Asian athletes. It was excellent and it was quick. And, um, you know, it was definitely more broad in terms of like what he was up against in verses instead of like, you know, the sort of general, um, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith said something mean on TV once about Right. Him. Right. And, and, and like, I think, um, I'm hoping that we get, and, and look, and I will say to your point about that, um, you know, Russell Westbrook, for instance, did a documentary about Black Wall Street and the yeah. Tulsa race riots. You, yeah. you know, like, I mean, yes. like his production company did produce that. And yeah. I think like, and I think I would, I would imagine Spring Hill has done similar type stuff. Oh yeah. I just, when, when, when people get a hold of their, their own story, I would just, as a, as someone who loves the art form, would encourage people to, to fill it with like deep archival footage. That's like the really fun stuff, right? Is like, you know, I watched the, in the Steph documentary, there's clips of him at like 11 years old playing basketball, like from his mother is shooting it and you hear her cheering. And like, that made me smile. I'd never seen that before. I didn't know it. Um, it reminded me of playing basketball as a kid. It reminded me of being a parent or, or maybe look forward to being a parent and, and with my children in that way. And, and hopefully not screaming too much, which is also, you can read about Maxwell Lewis's dad who, who did his own thing with that too. Um, you know, like that stuff is great. And I just wish that like the focus again would be on more of like the internal struggles. And, and I will say like, you know, it was definitely like a, a state run sort of pro like project. But like, for instance, like even like the Lakers, um, the Hulu documentary, the documentary. I thought that was made. really good. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was, was pretty really good. good. Yeah, and, and and you know, and I think like because it was heavy on archival footage, they got they interviewed the people they needed to interview, mm -hmm. and and you know, it generally told. Uh, um, I mean, it, it took a pretty big bite of the apple in terms of like the the depth of the story, and I think things probably caught, you, you know not enough attention. It was maybe at times a little shallow. Um, again, struggled from the fact that we did a documentary about something that happened two years ago. Right. Yeah. You, you know, and, and that way, which would be much more interesting 20 years from now. Yeah. And, and I, and I hope that we are able to still get those documentaries somehow, like sort of like, like the retelling of the documentary, but it does feel like it is at, at we're, we're too close on some of the stuff. I, I would encourage you and everybody to watch the Steph Curry documentary. I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, you know, I think um, also some good footage in there from LeBron giving the Warriors like 50, I think, uh, in front of Aaron Donald, was it? Like two years yeah. ago? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was either Aaron Donald or Cooper Cup. It was like there was some Ram there, and, and LeBron went off in that game, and there's some good footage of that. But um, just, you know, and, and if you have other ones that you love, send them to me. Um, I would be curious to hear anybody's list. Um, you know, I love a good – Sports docudrama. I love it. Like Sugar. Yeah. It's an incredible movie yes. that feels like a documentary. It's not, but it feels like one. Um, you, you know, send me that stuff. I would love to see it because it is maybe like the most surefire way to, to get me to sit down and watch something. He, you can send it to him at, at 
Dan Wojcki, W-O-I-K-E, sports on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it. You can read his work at the LA Times. Uh, this was awesome, man. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me, I feel good that I got that off my chest. I, I know. I, I want you to have closure, and I, I, I hope now that that is the case. Friday coming up from Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane and Sean Davis. Monday, I've got a super comprehensive scouting report of Cam Reddish. So that is all coming up. See everybody Friday. Later.